Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's good, everybody? It is our favorite time of the year here at the Black Effect. We're heading down to Atlanta for the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival. And we're not going alone. Nissan is back as our partner, and they're continuing their Pitch Your Podcast Lounge at the festival, where you'll have the opportunity to pitch your podcast idea live and share it with the Black Effect team. So get those podcast ideas ready. And remember, you can count on Nissan to dial up the thrill in your adventures, no matter where life takes you. Visit blackeffect.com slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we're your hosts of Street Politicians, the place, the place where, where the streets, streets and, and politics, politics meet. We've got our good old orange t-shirts on today, yes. which represent Gun Violence Awareness Month. This is the first week of GVAM, which is a time in New York City where anti-violence organizations, advocates, partners, families, people who've been impacted on either side of a gun, the shooter and or the victim, all come together to focus on uh, the anti-violence movement, to bring attention, awareness, um, and support to the movement, uh, and really to 
uh, just to put some, some attention on the fact that there are models that work. Uh, and in New York City, we have a model which we've, you know, we'll be talking much more about called the crisis management system. And we know that uh, over many years, the number of violent crimes and violent incidents have been reduced by the work of so many folks. Um, you all will see and hear the footage of the press conference that happened today where hundreds of anti-violence activists, experts, organizers uh, were at City Hall with um, the city officials, city council members and other government officials. And of course, um, the mayor of New York City um, and, and you know, standing there announcing some important things that we'll talk about later on the show. We have been doing this for a long time, and history is going to show that. The first crisis management funding came from an idea I had in the state senate called SNUG, mm -hmm. guns spelled backwards. Mm -hmm. First allocation of money, first, and it has moved into the movement you see behind us. And so when people believe that folks of color want to normalize gun violence in their community, they are wrong. They are wrong. This is a real issue that we want to attack head on. But what we don't want to do is minimize the complete picture that must be addressed. By the time a person picks up a gun, we've already failed. We've already failed. And I've said this over and over again, there are many rivers that feed the sea of violence. And it's time to dam every river, not just one with law enforcement, damming every river is what we're going to do. The epidemic of gun violence is not a New York problem. It's not a Democrat, Republican problem. Tulsa is a red state. The shooting that took place there was a red state. Just an announcement came over just a few minutes ago of a 16-year-old attempting to recruit others in Berkeley to go in and shoot up a school. Every day we're hearing about this. It's breaking our hearts, breaking our bodies, and breaking our communities. When a bullet hits the target, the physical bullet stops, but the emotional trauma rips apart the anatomy of our entire community. And there have been more mass shootings, think about this for a moment, more mass shootings in America than days of the years. It's unbelievable. And we've normalized it. We say it's okay. And I think we often dismiss it because the victim of handguns violence for the most part are black and brown and in the inner cities all across America. So we've normalized it and stated that that is just the way it has to be. And we're saying today, you're damn right, it's not going to be that way. We can turn it around and make it happen. And yes, 
Instead of G-U-N-S, let me give you another four letters. How about J-O-B-S? Let's get our children jobs. Let's put them on a pathway of employment. That's why we have 100,000 summer youth jobs, first time in the city history. Thank you, Jomani Williams, for pushing this for years. That is why we're pushing to tell corporate America we want a 100% paid internship program throughout the school year. Lead it into our foster care children and give them the support they need so they don't age out at 21. Give them mentors until they're 26. All of these things are going to help us deal with this issue in a real way. Time to take our city upstream and build real partnerships with people who are tired, as I am, of pulling people out of the river downstream. This is our moment. You do not elect me to do what everyone has done in the past. You wanted a different outcome, and you picked a different mayor. And trust me, it's a lot of noise out there. Everybody's going to critique us. Everybody's going to start telling, why did you pick this one? Why did you pick that? Because I'm the mayor. <laughs> and we're going to make the decisions now to save our children with the level of urgency that we deserve. Today, what you see behind us is not just the government made it happen, because to be clear, we were told no every time that we asked for resources when we first started. We met with the mayor at the time, and he looked Erica Ford and I dead in the face and said, there is no proof that what you're trying to do will work. But we proved it. They sent us back. They told us to get data. And all that Erica has mentioned in terms of how many days, weeks, years, months went by without shootings in this city, we did that together. Now, once the pandemic came, it changed a lot for everybody. So stop trying to act like and media who you are here if you have any moral conscience. Tell the true story. Violence is up everywhere. In fact, in 1963, Malcolm X got in big trouble for saying something that we see today, which is that the chickens are coming home to roost. As we see shootings happening across this nation, shootings of all types, mass shootings, violence everywhere, remember that this group, we told you, we told you what would happen. We gave you the forecast of what would happen to this nation if we did not deal with mental health, if we did not deal with the lack of jobs and resources, if we did not address food deserts and other concerning issues in our community. We already told you that today would come. And so if we are to go forward and this nation is to be better, this group is an example of what must come together in order to address those concerns. The police force cannot do it alone. If they could have, CMS would have never been needed. The government cannot do it alone. Half the time, they can't figure out from one side to the other what to do. It takes all of us. But the main thing is that the people must be centered. Share your title again. I'm, I'm a part of a very robust group of advocates that I'm very proud to be a member of. And a lot of us know each other respectfully. But thank you to Mayor Adams for 
naming me to be the gun violence prevention czar in New York City. It's a, it's a new title. It's the first ever, and it should be. As he mentioned, we should want some things that are different. We've been dealing with this issue for far too long, and we've been using the same tactics over and over again, and we've been getting the same results. So, so, so no one should have a problem with us trying something different. Give us a chance to prove our self-worth. We are the people who are closest to the problem. So quite naturally, we have the answers to those problems. There's nobody that wants gun violence to end more than the young people that come from the neighborhoods and the people who live in this community every single day. And so this is a community-driven approach. When you hear about the state or the feds and now the city, now include the community. That's the fourth leg of the chair that you're sitting on, Marsha. The community that we represent can create, as you heard mentioned at this podium, solutions for themselves. And we're going to work hand in sync with that community to make sure that we deliver the things that they say that they need, the things that they say that they want. And these men and women behind me are trained to deliver those resources into those neighborhoods where other people cannot go. You know, I'm, I'm proud because I was one of the uh, first very, very few. There was three of us who were the main leaders and no more than maybe six or seven in the room at any given time who put the crisis management system together. Architects, uh, one of the architects. We, we were the architects of this movement. Erica Ford was really the brainchild. She threw all of her thoughts on the board. Um, and Richard Gup Glover, who at the time I think was at uh, Columbia. I think he was at Columbia. Um, he was a professor. He worked to help organize her thoughts. We did the advocacy work, our brother A.T. Mitchell and myself. We worked together with Erica, pulling it and putting it and focusing and molding it to make um, the crisis management system a real thing. And here we are over a decade later, um, you know, and the, and the Gun Violence Awareness Month came along later where we decided that we had to have a month that really every single day, there'll be educational opportunities and other moments for people to get together. So I was happy to be in the hot sun today uh, with all our brothers and sisters. Yeah, I was definitely happy to be there. Um... Our brother AT, as you mentioned, he was he was um, announced to be the czar of gun violence and prevention of New York. So that was a big thing, you know. Just yeah. he's somebody that AT. I, I, I think his mannerisms, the way they carries himself, you know, he's, he's just somebody that I look up to. That I call for advice a lot, and he's been a mentor. You know, he's been doing this work long, way longer than I have, and he's um. And he also respects my leadership at a lot of times. And um, we just have a beautiful relationship. So seeing him, you know, appointed to this position, knowing that it's in the right hands, he's somebody who definitely takes this work serious. He does. Sleep and wakes up with this work, who calls me, you know, and whenever something is going on, it's like, well, what are we going to do? Like, that's this is what we need to do. He comes up with strategy. So, you know, I was happy to see that. And then there was a plethora of other individuals that I've known throughout the years through different 
channels, some just being in the streets, some from hip hop, some from just different channels and just seeing that they've invested their lives in this work. And I've seen them really transition with something good to see. And, and just our family, you know, we've been doing this work for so long. All of our friends and family was out there in the sweltering heat, you know, some march all the way across the bridge. We didn't make it to the, the full bridge march, but um, I also see the young kids that I worked with at Van Sickler Middle School, mm. um, they were there at the march we, we put together. They actually put together this dope um, anti-gun violence song that they allowed me to feature on that we actually are gonna be shooting a video for in the next couple of days. So that's something I you know, was happy to see. And um, the principal, Principal Kemp was there. You know, they have a beautiful program in which Wednesdays is like, career day mm. where you able to every Wednesday every Wednesday for the first two hours or first two periods you go to either a music program mm. or a video program any kind of program that you want to do and you want to invest your time in and they take the first two periods of every Wednesday and then there's the after school component to where you can go to after school but these people have the state of the art studio when I tell you their studio is better than the studio that I work in. Like they had a full <laughs> the kids got a great studio. They studio in that school. It was just amazing. I never I've been like I've seen different music rooms and they have a little mic here and there set up. But this was a full-fledged studio. So shout out to Ancicla Middle School and Principal Kemp who who really invests in those children. Like you can see and you can see the investment paying off because they're happy to be there. You know, they're happy to come they really are enthused they're doing something they like they're not just learning in this mundane setting you know to where it's boring they're looking at a chalkboard they're doing something that they like to do so shout out to them yeah that's great i mean you know the evolution if you will of different entities within education and community and government and what have you beginning to know that there has to be a different way to educate our children a different way to bring our young people along and help them be successful that's that's happening but it's slow it's a slow drip but having like you said a career day every single week that's very different because in the past it's just once a year yeah, right and i'm putting and the career day is not just them talking about careers Right, showing in courses right in classes to where it's just creativity, it's music, it's arts, is cooking, hands on, hands on, hands on, and you just in that for for two periods of the day, for the beginning of the day, you start your day off with something that you like to do. You're not just going into a classroom and listening. You're starting your day off doing an activity that you've chosen, that you want to be a part of, and you're learning, and you're creating. And it's just dope. Right. That's great. It's great. It's great. So there's a lot of, when we we're talking about youth, we're talking about violence, we're talking about, you know, getting ourselves organized. And there's a lot of really, really dangerous and serious things happening um, where I think we, it's probably one of the reasons why the evolution is such a slow drip because it's like you're moving forward and there are people who are pushing to change the culture 
and to, uh, you know, really sort of, I really want to be intentional about my point. There are people who are really fighting to get the government to come out of its uh, old and, and sort of archaic ways of thinking about educating youth, about dealing with mental health and other issues, right? You, you, you know, you are one of those people that constantly talks about how no one can just sit you down for two hours and just talk to you want back and forth about your issues to help you with the, your needs. You need people from a therapeutic perspective. Yes, you can sit down and talk to them sometimes, but also that they may be able to come into your world, see what you're doing, work with you from a very hands-on perspective. Now, maybe the fact that we're now in our 40s, we could sit still a little bit different, but certainly a young child will not be able to learn the same way that other communities learn. We know that. And to be, uh, you know, to receive therapeutic services and other things in those ways. And so with that being said, there are folks who are sort of pushing to change the culture. But when you have such traumatic events like what we see happening across this country going on, it mm -hmm. takes us back. So even if you go forward, you go back because people get afraid, people get, you know, traumatized. It's a lot. You've got four people killed here just, you know, uh, in the last uh, 40, 24 hours. Um, obviously, we're taping this show. So when people hear it, it will be a week old. And that's a thing that it's a week old by the time, you know, several days passes. We're like, well, that happened a week ago. Buffalo shooting happened, you know, now, I don't know, probably 15, 16 days ago. It's not a long time, but in media time, the cycle just keeps changing. Four people shot in a medical center. Then you have the police doing what police do. Uh, shooting an unarmed Black woman who was suspected to be in a stolen car. She was with a guy. Uh, allegedly, the guy ran. Uh, and the woman, when they told her to get on the ground, tried to explain that she was pregnant and that she could not lay down. And the police shot her multiple times. She wasn't in a pocket. She wasn't, none of the witnesses have said she grabbed for anything or did anything that should have caused her to be shot as a pregnant woman. But again, uh, police will be police. And so that happened. And then you have a situation where other governments are catching on quicker than us because in a place like Canada, they are banning or at least uh, there are new regulations that will ban the sale of purchases for certain types of handguns, right? Um, or maybe all handguns. So people are like, yo, we seeing what's going on in America and we're not gonna uh, sit by and allow our nation to be riddled with the same types of uh, unfortunate traumas. I don't know what the hell they're doing in Washington, DC. We ultimately have no choice but to, to fight for and fend for ourselves. Actually, you know, and, and, and now I'm hearing that there's going to be legislation passed in New York City will be an open carry. New York State. New York I mean, New York State. State. I apologize. New York State. That's even worse. Like, when we, when we look and see that gun violence is up 
And then we're going to make it more easy to access guns. I don't even understand how we don't realize that's a recipe for disaster. You know, the reality of the situation is everybody shouldn't have a gun, you know, and that's what the problem is. Obviously, the guns are getting into the hands of people who shouldn't have guns. When you look at these mass shootings, these aren't, you know, culpable, you know, culpable, ready, you know, informed people. Right. It would have packed the background check and should be able to have guns. So when we understand that something is not working, why do we continue to exacerbate the mistake? It doesn't really make sense to me. You know, New York is on fire with gun violence. People who don't who are getting illegal. So now you're going to make it a lot easier for somebody who shouldn't have a gun to get it. I just don't understand the logic. Just don't. Yeah. We don't need people on the trains in New York that are already suffering from like all types of trauma. I don't even know what it's called that's going on. That's in the I don't even go on the train. Oh, sick, man. People fucked up. <laughs> people, right. Yeah, people fucked, right. people and fucked you up. You give guns, people guns. And they can right. go buy a gun. Mm. Uh, people fucked up out here, Jack. And the thing is, you we, we look at our police who supposedly are trained to deal with situations. Mm. And they say they fear for their life and they make mistakes and they shoot. So you gonna give guns to people who ain't got nothing near what the police got and hope that in situations such as road rage, when somebody cuts you off and they get out and they got a gun, they ain't blowing your head. You see, we literally seen sick people driving on a highway and shoot at cars because they arguing. So well, we, yeah, but I mean, your point is so valid, my son, because when you think of the fact that young kids sat in a classroom for over an hour, some shot, some almost dying, uh, others who I've been told were shot a second time uh, because they, there was so much room for additional horror, um, you know, sat there for over an hour. An hour. I mean, I don't even know how you talk about kids, babies, who for one second, if your baby is lost from you in a crowd for one second, it can turn into a complete meltdown and breakdown for a child. So imagine people bloody, uh, you know, big boom sounds of shots going off and there was no help. So these police officers who stood, they said at least 19 officers were in the hallway, standing there. If they didn't do anything to deal with the shooter, why are we now all of a sudden so convinced that a resource officer is gonna do something? So you, if that's the case, then fuck it, fire the police officers. Exactly. You, exactly. If you're giving us all guns and telling us to protect ourselves, then what, what is the, the police officer doing that we can't do ourselves? 1,000%. I don't know. Nobody's explained that to me. So just thinking about <laughs> so much stuff that's happening. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, as they say. I don't even know if theorist is a word, but I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist person. But I'm really just trying to figure out my, because there's so much to process. 
And the last few weeks, I've been like, I don't even want to post anything on socials because I got to like think before I got to like gather my thoughts and gather myself before I speak. But I've been noticing over the last few weeks that while we're dealing with like all this trauma in terms of like how, what type of uh, horrific incidents are happening, there's also mad health challenges. Like I'm trying to figure out if when you get old, allergies come on. I mean, I'm really, I know this is totally off topic. No, it's a real thing. Cause I never had no damn allergies to like last year. I didn't even know what no allergies was. Like I would sneeze a little bit, but now I feel like I got, I can't breathe. I feel like my eyes is always itching. I got a, something in my throat. It's like cotton balls in my nose. It's like, yo, this is the worst shit I've ever felt. And it just started happening. And I'm like, when did all this shit just start happening? The last two years, I have been experiencing allergies. Last year wasn't as bad. This year, I literally had several incidents, like different periods where I could not breathe. My throat was hurting. I was feeling exhausted. I almost felt like I had a flu, but I didn't because, you know, I get a COVID test very often. And not the COVID. How about that? You see, look, you could have had the flu. No, no. The COVID test that. No, COVID tests that I get, they test for the flu also. That's why oh. I let, they, they swab me a little deeper because they go for the flu as well. You know, you should learn how to get you some of those. Uh, I'm tests. good. No, thank you. Me, I do. But I feel like, wow, like what, 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 I don't understand it. And people have been saying like the environment is not what it should be. So I'm thinking, like, is it is can allergies be caused by the environment? Even today at the press conference, pollen. They said it's pollen. They said yeah, but then how is pollen? We need like a medical expert. Like, how is or an environmentalist? How is pollen impacted by like global warming and all of that? I feel like it could be. I mean, what happens is. Trees are growing, and mm-hmm. the more the warmer it gets, I guess trees are growing faster, and they're probably producing more pollen. I can't really give you. I'm just that was just some shit I thought of. I get good guess. But because when you, when you they, drive around now, you're literally seeing clogs of pollen everywhere. Like I was driving on the highway, and I could just see the shit. I had to close my window. I couldn't even breathe because it was so much pollen that started coming inside my car. So. I, like I see, like I guess being sick when when something ails you and you know it, it you know it's the cause of your sickness and you see it, you get real. So I'm I'm very aware of pollen now. Yeah, I mean you know we pay attention to coughing. Anybody coughs, everybody's like, "What's why are you coughing?" And I noticed today at the press conference that in the middle of the mayor speaking, he had to keep breaking to cough. It's allergies. It, it probably, of course, I didn't ask him, but everywhere I go, I'm noticing that more people are like, yo, I'm really dealing with it. I'm scratching. You know, people are are experiencing the uh, side effects of, uh, uh, I guess, an, an allergy to pollen, as you said. And I'm just like, I don't want to do conspiracies because I don't know. But it's like all these things are happening at, at the time. same time. And it's real weird out COVID, here. The flu, the this, this, uh, you know, the, this variant, the everybody's allergies is acting up. The football players is dying suddenly. 
Dude, like it's just it's, it's like yo every time I turn every time I open my Instagram I'm seeing somebody that died and I'm noticing football players basketball players like or at least former or current they're they they just checking out it's a car accident it's a heart issue rappers of course Too so much. entertainers it's like the energy I saw on um john gray reverend john gray's page he said we need a revival of the soul and i thought that was the most powerful thing that i have read in a long time we need a revival of the soul because this we need, zero, we need zero text and white <laughs> and I, I feel like white supremacy amplifies all of this shit exactly it's like you got a cold, you got a allergies, and you got white supremacy. Out. Well, because they don't want to acknowledge, you know, not they, but the system has failed to correct or address uh, environmental issues. There is not even an acknowledgement from uh, uh, from the, the Republican Party in particular around the fact that global warming is an issue and that we're having climate change. So that's one thing. Policing is out of control also something that we're being fought tooth and nail on um everything so that's the deal I so just, today yes we are being joined by two women who we talked about gun violence awareness month there are two women who um were instrumental in helping us to get this this month off the ground and for the last several years we've all worked together in different capacities to refine it and to con continue to work of the crisis management system in different ways you've got within uh well we'll let them talk about what cms looks like and all the types of folks that work within the network um miss uh, orisa napper williams of not another child and also our dear sister, Miss Ife Charles, who uh, has been in the trenches with me for a real long time. And she has been a strategist in this movement, working in the Bronx and working in different organizations. But now mm -hmm. she's actually working on, um, you know, changing the culture within the court system in New York, which is a part of it. That's what the network is supposed to be all about, holistic work. So let's bring them on. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
Yo, I'm hype. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed down to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with the Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and share it with the Black Effect Podcast Network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit. Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You will not want to miss this. Because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill in your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk? Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. So as has been mentioned, we're being joined during Gun Violence Awareness Month in New York by two really, really important individuals. On this show, my son, we always have our friends. 
Yeah. Friends, friends, and more friends. But we do know some incredible people who do incredible work. And Gun Violence Awareness Month is important uh, and really special to me because we started it with these individuals some years ago, um, you know, working to try to make sure that the city of New York is really focused on the people doing the work and the people who are truly impacted. And uh, the two people that we're joined with today, two Black women, by the way, uh, and you can't say oh, we only have Black women on this show that do things because we've been having a lot of Black men lately, so don't even try it. But uh, Miss Orisa Knapper-Williams of Not Another Child, uh, and also Miss Ife Charles, uh, who is, she has a big title, first of all. She works with People and Culture Center for Court Innovation. So she's in the system transforming the system, but also is the immediate past leader, if you will, of anti-violence projects and initiatives in New York City. Um, she has been working in the Bronx, coordinating and organizing all of us for some time. Miss Orisa is actually a mother who lost her son um, to gun violence. And so we're dealing with two people who are very, very close, both of you. I think also, um, Ife, you lost the child as well. Am I yeah, correct? I did, I, my, my son did not die from gun violence, but I've lost a son, yeah. Okay, but you lost a son. So yeah. that in, in and of itself. So we're, 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 we're talking with two individuals today and my son and I have just been really trying to get into this whole idea of shootings happening across the country and what it means. Some of it, of course, is racially incentivized or, or at least racially motivated. Others are mental health situations. You have other things that you know are poverty uh, uh, motivated. So there's shootings happening and people are noticing it. And one of the things that I said today when I spoke at, and of course we were taping this show today um, for uh, an upcoming um, uh, show, uh, uh, um, excuse me, an upcoming episode of Street Politicians. But one of the things that I said today is that we, as in this group, the CMS group, which is the crisis management system in New York, um, as well as individual organizers around the city of, of New York, have sounded the alarm. And I talked about how in 1963, um, Malcolm X said that the chickens were coming home to roost. Um, and here we are watching it happen, happen across the nation where people like you, Miss Orisa and Ife, have been out there hitting the pavement, telling the government, officials, corporations, community members, that if we did not stop to deal with this issue, we are going to experience an insurmountable uh, uh, level of violence across the nation. And here we are. People are afraid, they're afraid to leave their homes. We've got shootings at grocery stores. We've got shootings in hospitals. We've got shootings just in general in schools of children. And yet he, here we come to a place where everybody's saying what to do. And yet we have laid out a blueprint years and years and years and years and years. So we wanna talk about that blueprint today. And my son, let me kick it to you to invite these two wonderful ladies to be a part of our conversation. Well, thank you. Quite thank you. Um, as you just mentioned, 
we just left um, a, a press conference in which we spoke about Gun Violence Awareness Month, which is the start of the Gun Violence Awareness Month. But if you see these shirts, this is the Gun Violence Awareness Movement, because for us who do this work, it's just not about a month. It's not about a day. It's all the time. And we go to sleep and we wake up with this work. And we've been joined by two phenomenal women, Black women, who've been on the forefront of this work for a long time. So I just want to start with Ife, who right now is you know, she has elevated and evolved until she's inside the system now. And, you know, she's able to attack it that way. But she's always been a frontline worker. You know, like you said, she's been in the Bronx organizing and putting together some of the, the, the best crisis management systems and organizations that we have. So Ife, you know, we look at this influx of violence, right? And, and like, like Tamika said, the chicken's coming home to roost. And we've been mm -hmm. saying, what was going to happen? What do you think is the major cause, and what should how should they be attacking it? Well, first of all, you know I want to salute to you, Sister Tamika, and to my brother Myson. You know when you sit back here and you're in spaces with the both of you, there is a conscious awareness that I hold on to from both of you guys, right? Because there's a consistency in the way that you do this work. Um, to my sister Arisa, always salute you, sis. Um, just for what you're doing now, because I think as you talked about that, when Malcolm talked about the chickens coming home to roost, we are here now, right? We're hearing hens beep and, you know, the roosters crowing, right? That's what's going on right now. And so in my experience and in my work, and I go back to Brother A.T. Mitchell, who when we started doing some stuff way back and we had these sites that were being evaluated and researched to come up with systems to address gun violence, I think the way that my brain always works about this is the compartmentalization of what's actually happening. There's two pieces to this, right? You have this national piece where gun laws need to be changed, policies need to be uplifted, um, you know, marginalization of people needs to be definitely destroyed. And then you have on a local level where there's a need for involvement. So when we just talked about my son, when you talked about the work that we've been doing, Marisa and you and, and Tamika and a bunch of other folks, it's about consistency. It's about consistency in the way that you lead. It's about consistency in the way that you address problems. Too often what we do as a city is we run for the newest and latest thing, right? Mm -hmm. Not looking at what has worked really in the past and sticking with it. You can't have a cookie cutter approach to gun violence. You cannot, right? Because there's levels to this madness. Like I said, as I was telling Tamika last night, there's levels to this shit, if I can cuss them. Can I, can I say cuss words uh, for this? LTTS, right? It's, it's my acronym that I made up, there's levels to this shit. And so too often what happens is that, you know, you have people who, who, who wanna be in the front but there's work that needs to be done behind. And I think when we talk about what's the approaches and what we need to do, I think we need to seriously evaluate who's doing work, right? Understand that we each have a role in this work. There is some that's gonna fight from a macro level and there's those that are gonna fight from the inside on the street level, which is a lot of what CMS is doing, but addressing it comes from both angles. It just can't be one solution. And I think that's what people are trying right now is just one approach and, and, and I think Malcolm's quote of the chicken coming home to roost, we will be roosting for quite some time if we don't look at the multiple levels to gun violence. Oh. And Ms. Orisa, 
Mm-hmm. You know, what what do you think we need to do? How do you think we should be attacking it? What do you think, you know, is the most sustainable strategy after being in this movement for so many years and seeing what's worked, seeing what's failed, understanding after we just heard the mayor and his speech about how he plans to go about it. What, what is your opinion? So first, thank you, Mice and Mika, for inviting me today. It is a, simply a pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, and thank you for always seeing me as more than a parent, more than a mother that lost a child. Um, and I really think the way that CMS has always moved forward, where we always move together in Mr. unity. Risa, before you go forward, because I think we keep saying CMS and we have not explained what oh, yes. CMS is. Yes. And so folks yes. will say, well, what are they talking about? Right, so why don't right. you tell us what you are yes. a part of in New York? So it is the New York City Crisis Management System. Mm-hmm. Um, Several models was looked at from over the country. And we know that uh, the the biggest model, I would say at that time that actually had the data that it worked was Cure Balance, mm-hmm. um, which was balance interrupters and outreach workers. But um, co- the co-architects in New York, you know, you guys, AT, Erica, Tamika, Ife, all of you pioneers from years ago saw that that was not enough for our city and what we need. And you guys are the, are the pioneers. So let me know if I got the history right. Oh, you got it right. But you, it right. you know, you guys knew that it was more that after you took the gun out of a hand, after you gave a job, therapeutic support was still needed. Professional mental health services was still needed. Employment opportunities, you know, was still needed. And so the system comprises of not just the violence interrupters and the outreach workers as the anchor, but also the wraparound services, mm-hmm. which is greatly needed. Um, a lot of models do not reflect the mental instability that comes along um, mm-hmm. with gun violence. It does not reflect the layers of trauma that is a leading cause of gun violence and CMS does. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think going back to my question, you know, that's what we need to do is expand on that. Mm-hmm. Right now, CMS is only in, and Ife, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe it's 30 something, maybe 40 sites mm-hmm. um, in about 16 catchment areas or something to that effect but it needs to be expanded on. The other thing that was spoken of today was the interconnecting with city agencies. Mm -hmm. You know, no longer should we be working in silos where, um, I, I, I never forget, I have a parent that I was with and her son was murdered. She was at his house visiting him for his birthday, which was two days prior. She heard some arguing, she went out to the steps and he was like, mom, good, I'm good, went in. Next thing she heard was gunshots Mm. and came out and saw her child rolling down the steps. Mm. When we went back a day later, his blood still laid on the ground. Mm. Mm. And so we need sanitation to be a part. Absolutely. To be even given a time constraint of, no, 12 to 24 hours, this blood should be off of our streets. Mm-hmm. Our parents should not be, and family members should not be re-traumatized to come back and see the blood of their loved ones there. And so I think having someone in um, in the position of the czar, mm-hmm. you know, which 
kids from the streets and know the needs from there to be able to come back and implement it with the help and the support of the city agencies is, is dope. You know, yeah. and I think I think it was Ife that said a, a little while ago, you know, that we just always do what's comfortable. We do the same things over and over. This is a major monumental, like this has never happened before. So yeah. I'm looking forward to the success with it. Well, so for folks who are listening um, and, and for those who may not understand, because we're so close to it that when we speak of it, we speak as if everybody knows and they should, and they should. But today, um, well, let, let me go back before, before that. Over a decade ago, a number of us came together to work on building the crisis management system. We were told no by previous administrations because the purpose of the crisis management system and our fight was to get resources for formerly incarcerated individuals, youth, families, uh, whether they be victims and or the families of victims to be advocates, people to work in hospitals, people uh, to be there with therapeutic services, people to deal specifically with you know, extreme mental health issues, jobs, so on and so forth. That was the model that we came together to create. And through that model, we created CMS and the first, and I think Mayor Bloomberg was the mayor who told us no. But it happened to be that at that time, there was a, a, a mayoral election and all the candidates wanted our support because we had organized ourselves around the city to be a force and gun violence numbers were up. And so people were looking for our support. And to her credit, Christine Quinn was the speaker of the city council, but also running for mayor. And um, of course, Jamani Williams was a city council person at that time, okay. along with uh, uh, brother uh, Fernando, he, I think, uh, Fernando. Right, um, Fernando Cabrera, yeah. He was the city council person. And so we worked with them outside of Mayor Bloomberg to get the first $5 million distributed to grassroots groups, $1 million per borough, five boroughs in New York, so that they could do gun violence intervention work. What we learned was that the major thing that they would focus on was data. And so we learned that and we knew we had to provide data that shows the shootings were down. Shootings dipped tremendously. And as a result, now crisis management, the crisis management system is up to over a hundred million dollars that goes to individuals who are form who are organizing and employing formerly incarcerated folks and you know and others. A.T. Mitchell, who's one of those in the beginning, is now the new czar. I've been saying Caesar, but anyway, czar. 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 Uh, I was uh, saying czar. Okay, so well, right. my brother, you know, he got a title, y'all. He got a title. We got yeah. him. Yeah. Right. He's the star of violence intervention and prevention in New York City. Today was announced by our mayor. This to me, once again, and Ife, you you know, jump in here, but once again, we're setting an example. We're setting the tone. Again, after more than a decade, we're finding new ways to revitalize our movement for uh, to fight violence in our city. 
very similar to relationships. Every now and then, when you with a man or a woman, you've got to evaluate it. You got to evaluate the relationship. And all right. And, that, and, that's, and I think I think that's what we're doing as a city is an evolution is happening, right? People are evolving. And I think there was a point in this movement where we were standing still, right? Mm -hmm. And we were dependent upon the funding. What I've seen with the movement, there's this innovation that is happening, right? There's this different thinking process, this, the way that we're moving around the city. And so you're right, Tamika, in any relationship that you have, you've got to grow, right? You either grow up or you grow out. I think what's happening right now, we're seeing in the city this need, because this is what I say about gun violence. There's a cross-pollination of the effects of gun violence, right? So what just happened in Buffalo, what just happened in, 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 in Uval, in Texas, what's happening right here in the city, this is hitting home for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. It is no longer isolated. It's no longer saying, well, it's only happening in Brooklyn and in Bed-Stuy and in Bronx, only the black and brown communities. This is happening nationally. Mm -hmm. And the, the, I think now what you have is a support of folks like the president, like a mayor that's saying, okay, so we have a model. We know that aspects of this model works. Let's use it, but then build upon it, right? And let's take someone who's had the experience, because I tell people all the time, this work is not for the faint at heart. Mm. If you want to do gun violence work, you have to breathe it, sleep it. You also have to sometimes step away from it. Like I told Tamika yesterday, it just doesn't fit into my spirit because just the death of people consistently mm. could be traumatizing. So when Sister Orisa starts talking about the trauma in the past, that wasn't even a part of the picture, right? So as we evolve now in the city, looking at different aspects and different tools to address gun violence, this holistic approach, we talked about it. You can't do this work unless you think about the entire group of people, a nation, the people, right? That's who we have to think about. And so I think the way that we're moving now in the city where we're addressing, to make it, you might sound, you knew this, like 10, 15 years ago, mental health issue wasn't discussed with gun violence. Mm -hmm. It was never said simultaneously that it exists in the same house. And now that we're thinking about it, we're looking at aspects as Arisa just talked about the trauma that happens. Like people are literally talking about how trauma affects individuals and not only the individuals who are victims or those who are perpetrators of crimes, we're talking about the network, right? This idea of community. So for me, when I think about it, we have evolved. We started off with 5 million. It's now over 100 plus. We have over 30 something sites in the city. The mayor is specifically looking at ways to broaden this aspect, not just through CMS, but in other avenues. To me, a multi-layer approach to addressing gun violence is what's needed. And I think that's what we're doing. And it is my hope. And we have to remember this. I'll say this and I'll pass it on. This can't be resolved overnight. No. This is a long-term investment, right? You know, like when you put your little dollar in a bank, if you think you're getting 3.3% interest and it's going to grow, this takes a while. But it takes a while with people who are committed and there's consistency. And again, I will say this because we're brown and black, the money has to match the value of the human life. Exactly. And too often when we're talking about black and brown and black communities and marginalized communities, we always want to just give a little bit, right? We mm -hmm. don't want to open the pot fully. And that is problematic because that's not where equity is, right? Because when we think about our others who've been injured, 
laws, policies, investment changes have been made. And it's time for that to happen. And I think with under Mayor Adams and others um, that that potentially could happen. So I'm optimistic. I really am optimistic. I'm optimistic as well. You know, when I was sitting here listening and I was just, you know, just just looking at how the crisis management system has grown, right? And I'm seeing a lot of guys that I know, people who've been formerly incarcerated, guys that I've watched completely change their lives, change their mind states, that are really inside the communities who used to be doing harm in those communities, who have invested the same and not more energy into transforming the mind state of the young kids who had the same mind state that they have, and they're invested in it, right? So when I understand that they're invested in it, without really having the monetary things that they want just because their heart is into it right so when we start to incentivize that change and we start to you know we start to reward that change and people start to realize that you know what i can actually make a living i can be successful and i can be changing my community i can be something positive because negativity and violence is 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 um incentivized in, in our culture you know when we look at all of the the negative um, artists and hip hop and all of the things, they making millions of dollars. So when these kids see them, right, and they're comparing them to you who telling them to stop the violence and you don't look like you successful, you don't look like you have anything, who are they really going to listen to? And that's what I try to say. If, if you want us to compete with the violence, then you got to give us the resources and give us the ability to compete, give us the same stages and give us the same platforms and give us the same resources that you give the counterparts. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm very optimistic at this point. It seems as Mayor um, Williams said that he wants to not only- Mayor Adams, Mayor Adams, Mayor Adams. Mayor Adams. I apologize. Mayor Adams said that he didn't just want to make this, you know, it's a separate entity. He wanted to make this a part of the first- wanted response. to integrate it, right? It becomes right. Another leg of government. He's saying that this is the fourth leg. You know, and, and this and this and, I, and it's, it really is common sense for me. It's like when you have a community and people who are in that community every day, who know the people every day, who have relationships, who build relationships over years, who have respect and all those things, and those people are incentivized to stop the violence and utilize that respect and utilize all of the things that they've gained over their lives to make sure that negativity doesn't happen, in opposed to just having a police system that comes in when there's the violence is happening and comes in as after, you know, as a response. No, you know, you have, a, I think that when you combine both of those things, because there will be things that you some, at some point it'll get to a level that we might have to call police. But I think more often than not, yeah. if you give us those resources that we'll be able to, to intervene and stop a lot of violence in the community. So I'm, I'm really hopeful and looking forward to what the future has. Like you said, it's not going to be an overnight thing. It's not going to be, it's going to have to be invested in. It's going to be a process. It's going to be a long haul, but you will see the narrative shift. You will see the culture start to shift. You will see the people who are celebrated for doing positivity will start to give people those same platforms and those same accolades and the same everything else that negativity has gotten for the last couple of decades. Ms. Orisa, what, what exactly, as a mother, I know you said that you obviously, you know, you do a lot more than just uh, focusing on grief as a mom, uh, which in and of itself is a lot. But what exactly do you do? I watched you today 
as you know, some of our people were talking when they shouldn't have been, you know, doing things that you know we always need. We always have to have mothers of the movement. Um, and I watched you today facilitating everything from process to behavior to you know everything, decorum, the whole thing. What exactly is it that? Um, that that not another child does, and also you specifically, how do you see your role in this movement? Yeah, you know, they they think I'm the smallest one, but I'm the I'm the mother of all. They today, they <laughs> and so you know, we started off with just a basketball tournament because one of the young men that pled guilty to my son's murder was 15. Um, and it was in the middle of the summer, August 7th, and a mother, when this happens, when this experience happens, they always want to scream out so that everybody will know their hurt and how they feel. And, and that's where I was at, you know, but I wanted to scream out to youth, you know, 15-year-old, I wanted all 15-year-olds to know what your choices and, and consequences and decisions was doing to people and how they was hurting people. And I started out with what they love, a basketball game and food, you know, and set that platform to be heard. But as the years went by, more parents kept showing up, you know, from both sides of the gun mm. to really get that support, you know, on... How can I identify if my son is really into something like this? Or, you know, I'm just trying to get through the pain of losing my child, you know? And so we grew into more of a therapeutic organization. I, I would like to say that everything that we do has a therapeutic basis. So, you know, we grew into peer support sessions for parents of homicide victims. Um, because, you know, if it's left up to us, nobody knows how we feel, nobody, but that's just us. Don't be offended if one of us say it to you. You know, that's just us. Don't nobody know how I feel? Actually, somebody may know. But, you know, just those support sessions so that we can support each other, you know, without the assistance of a counselor and different things like that. And so that's our, our family support aspect, the peer support sessions the um, retreats where we go away, you know, um, just different things we do with the parents, helping them to, or providing therapy for them, unconventional therapeutic support. Mm -hmm. We just um, went to Hatchets and, and Hops, which is an event space where you throw hatchets, you know, and so we made it where that's a place for them to relieve, you know, anger and things. And they also had to be, you know, just looking straight forward at what they were trying to target. So we do different events and things like that for them. Um, even with our basketball tournament now, and my son actually came to one year when we first came up to Harlem, the therapeutic aspect of that is the teams bring pictures of loved ones that they have lost to gun violence. Mm -hmm. And we hang them all around the park so that they're playing in memory of them and, you know, hoping that that will defer or deter retaliation. You know, um, we have other youth groups out the hood where we take kids out of their neighborhood. You know, we've taken them to Wyclef Jean's studio, showed them you don't have to be a rapper to be in the industry. 
you know, exposing them to various cultures and careers. We have um, BUDS, which is the Brothers, Uncles, Dads, and Sons Mentorship Program. And we have Brown Boys Book Club. So we do, you know, we do cleanups, I'll call it. You know, after a child, after a loved one is murdered, Tamika, you know, you call me plenty of days with a parent, with a wife, you know, to provide support to them, but also trying to adhere our children from going either either side of the gun, you know, um, and that is what we do through, through the other youth programs that we have. Mm. You know, wow. Tamika, I, and I, I, when I hear Risa speak, like, my mind is always blown at the way that we have evolved, right? That the idea of what therapy has been, because a lot of time as brown and blacks, the way that we heal and the way that we deal with things have not been mainstream. Mm -hmm. And the evolution of us as a city to recognize non-traditional therapeutic services and say that all in the same sentence, that's growth for us as city, right? Because and before, you know, you pushed a traditional and, and, and no disrespect to white folks who were clinicians, but we pushed the traditional whiteism of therapy on people of color, totally not engaging religion, totally not engaging the village that we have as people of color, totally not engaging the way that Teresa just speak about parents and getting mothers together. So the fact that we have now been able to recognize that non-traditional support for families is under the city and is talked about in city documents as non-traditional. That is growth. But again, this idea around uplifting and bringing cultural competency to the fact that we grieve differently, that is recognition by the city, right? I, like I told Risa this before, I remember when my son passed, he died from an illness. And when I was going through my feelings of loss and depression, I was told, go to God, right? Go to church. <laughs> you know, that's what you do. What we change now, which is not bad, because that's what we do as people of color back from slavery. You know, we pray to the same oppressors or we go to the oppressors to relieve us from stuff that we're going through. But what we have seen in the city right now is a mayor recognizing the fact that what you consider to be traditional for some communities, you cannot do for other communities. And that recognition right there in itself, to me, is an advancement in the way that we're approaching the work, in the way that we're approaching leadership, and the support that's needed. So just Arisa talking about, and I think Arisa has done it, she has put moms um, in the city on a local level at a higher platform, because before, parents of victims were not really given the opportunity That's to right. move forward in the process of healing. That's what Arisa right. has done in the past two years, I think has made it a much more vocal point that people recognize there is a need to support parents and loved ones, mm -hmm. right? Not just through victim services, but through the, 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 the um, collective village that we are growing through CMS. Let me I ask this, oh, go ahead, my son. No, what I was going to say is I think what you touched on something that was so important, you know, and it's cultural relevancy is, is the way that we do things. And, you know, I, I've been, I've always, every government official I'm going to be critical of, I'm not going to just let you pass because you got black skin because we went to sleep before, you know, and I've been critical of some of the things that Mayor Adams has said, you know, and I've, and I've, I've held him to it. 
you know, but today he says some really powerful things, you know, and, and, and he spoke as a black man, he didn't speak as a politician. And he spoke to people and said, and basically said, you don't understand us. You don't understand what it is that we go through in our communities. You don't understand how we grieve. You might not understand our lingo. Look, everybody here, you looking at, you saying, what are they doing here? But the bottom line is we know. We know what we're doing. We know we got this boogaloo thing that we do that works for us, that our community, there's people in this that's in this crowd right now that can talk a gun out of somebody's hand way different than you can. And you're going to go there with your textbook theory of how it's supposed to go. And these people right here have been shooters, have known what it is to be shooters, been around, and they know exactly what to do. So I'm going to give them the opportunity to do what they've been doing their whole life. And we're going to make sure that it's recognized as someone who does first response work. And that was really important for me. It wasn't just the regular old conversation that the politicians have and we want to do. He really, he really spoke to that. And making A.T. Mitchell the czar, someone who I know very personal, and I know how he does this work. I know the relationships that he has in communities. I know his background. I know the people around him background. I know how engaged and serious he is about this work. And I know how he's going to bring more people who have that same vigor, who have that same background, who have that same intention into this work and the people he's already connected with. And, and I'm just, I'm just really excited, man. I'm very excited. We're you all know, excited, my. You know, I really am. Yeah. Because it's going to be culturally, it's going to be culturally relevant work. It's not going to look like what people think it is. We, he's saying, AT, and, and the thing that I respect is that he said the fact that we we didn't make him part of government because we wanted him to have his autonomy to do the work the way he does it to walk in the communities the way that he does and still have, be connected to the community but just an extension of a different level of government and that that is something that i've never seen done before yeah because he's so, respected his lived and learned experience right because mm -hmm. too often what we equate is that you have to have multiple degrees in order to execute and what he is saying is that there are lived and learned experiences. And I and I listen, I'm all pushed about education because it shows that you can stick with something, there's continuous behavior and practice, there's theories around that. But there's also theories about someone who's had a lived and learned experience. What I like about what's happening now is that we're not glorifying our past mistakes, right? And I think that's when we talk about the way this movement is, there's too many they want to highlight, oh, I was this, I was that. I think the shift, my son, is something you always say, even when you're talking about when I've been following my own on his, his IG and he's talking about the rappers and all that stuff. The reality is that you're talking grown folks business, right? You're not talking the fact that I am sitting here talking, I was a shooter, I'm this gangster, I'm that person, I got this strike. You're saying that was a part of me, but I've evolved because I understand the impact of my own violence to myself, my community. And now I need to shift, right? And so there's a shift in the mind state that you're talking about. And I think that's what you're seeing. That is a mayor that recognizes the fact that you don't have to have multiple degrees to have impact, right? There's a mayor that's saying, let's invest and use non-traditional approaches to also aid in gun violence. There's a mayor that's saying there are people that's been doing this work who have evidence-based and research data, because you know how our city is and how our people are, Show me the data, show me that it's been researched, that's right. been able to do that. And you have a mayor that is committed and know that it takes consistency to make change. That in itself 
is evolution, right? Data is itself is innovation for us. It is, it is, it is innovation. It is certainly, I, I believe in it because I believe in AT and in many ways, um, you know, I believe in Eric also, Mayor Adams, right? I believe in him because I know him since I was a young child and I know that he loves black people. However, I do feel that the one trap that, that Mayor Adams may fall into that could potentially be a trap for us as a movement and for the entire city is the trap of believing that an, a, an investment and a continued stroke of the ego of NYPD is going to somehow be the other side, the other balance, if you will, of addressing gun violence. Certainly he said today, which of course he's gone, he, he, he's a former police officer. He believes in uh, the police and what, you know, and, and, and he believes in the police, in the police, right? And he said today that 30% of the shootings are down um, and that, you know, he, he named the number of things, the highest arrest rates of people with firearms, illegal firearms. He talked about those things. He's going to tout that. He's also the mayor, which means he has to talk about the success of all his agencies, including the police department. But the thing that I realize, and I hope and, and that he also understands, is that we've also added more jobs. So you've got more people back to work, right? You have more folks out in the world post-COVID visiting other individuals, out doing their work, getting their mental health services back on track. And so while yes, I think the police have one role, that in and of itself is not and has never been the solution or the turnkey way to address the needs of the community. So yeah, I, I see how policing is important, but the budget is extremely inflated for policing and there is not enough money going to the services and the other areas that I just mentioned. We know that police are funded more than any other agency. So education is not funded in the same way. Um, you know, foods, food services to our community, housing, all those things are suffering tr tremendously. And I really do hope that as a part of what uh, Mayor Adams does and what he is focused on, that he realizes that there has to be a shift. And that's why, whether it frustrates people and it pisses people off and whatever, we say defund the police, not that we want to take all the resources and completely get rid of police, but we believe that police funding needs to go down and the funding for our organizations, um, our, our networks and uh, our services needs to increase. So let's see how that goes. Um, you know, I support the work. I can be, what do they say? It's no permanent uh, friends. It's, it's only permanent interests or something like that. So we're not enemies. You know, I tell Eric directly how I feel about some of the things he yeah. says and that there's no, he knows clearly we speak about it. Um, when we see each other at professional and or social events, I have said many times, I thought what you said on this is wrong or it's right. 
But I do think that the fact that he was there today, that he's made the investment and that he named our brother, the czar of gun violence intervention and prevention is putting us on the right track. And once again, the people will save the city. That's really what That's we're talking about. That's the bottom line. You know, I, I, I'm with you on that. I don't, you know, when they started talking about defund police, I've always been like, the language has always been, you know, as a, as a, as a mediator, as a, a certified mediator, someone who's mediated cases, a lot of cases in my time. The reality for me is that when we start using language that is toxic, that can inflate and that can actually create problems. You're right, Tamika, I get it. They have an overwhelming amount of budget. I do think there's an opportunity to shift some of that money to other resources, right? And I'm hoping that Eric does that. I'm hoping that Mayor Adams um, does that across this city because there is a balance. And that's what we've been talking about, the balance. All we know is police, right? We've grown up only knowing police to resolve our situations. When we look at Switzerland, is it Switzerland or Sweden that have guns? They have a number of guns. Their gun crime stats are so doggone low, right? For a place that owns guns and people use guns, all we know in our country is police. And mm. so that's the first thing that we turn to resolving all issues, whether domestic violence, whether you have your you, you hit your big toe, whether your neighbor playing music too loud, we call police. I mm. think the shift that we're going to see right now, and I'm not saying that we don't need police, I'm hoping at one point in our lives, we don't have to have police resolving everything. But the one thing that I would say is that I hope that Eric, as a former police officer, understand that you can do, and I'm seeing him do this, is that you have other ways to resolve community safety. Invest in community, allow people to have community sustainability practice and plans, allow young people, change the way that we educate our children in schools. We've taken away trade from the schools, right? We automatically say that folks must go to college. We don't give people another opportunity to be invested in the arts, to invest in sports and other areas. Like I think with him right now, this is a great opportunity for him to reinvent the city. And I believe with the right people in place, he can do that. Well, we will, uh, you know, we, we, we wanna keep the conversation going. We're about to start a whole, uh, sort of reinvite track of bringing back all the folks that we have talked to over time to follow up on where people are. Um, I think what's important about this conversation today is we really kind of are helping folks who are sitting at home saying they either want to get started or they already have grassroots organizations. What does that look like? What does the relationship look like? to work with the mayor who you may have issues with on one hand, but on the other hand, they have the resources you need to deal with certain things in the community. There's many different layers to this. And I think in New York City, while we may not have figured it all out, we certainly have a good model for the nation. Um, and Ms. Orisa, I would say to you that your spirit and your leadership um, not just being, again, a grieving mother, which in and of itself is important, but taking that and turning it into leadership is so important because you keep us all centered. You keep us no matter, I don't know anybody that has a problem with Miss Orisa. We all have issues with one another. We fighting each other everywhere. I don't speak to this one. This one don't speak over here, then the third. But we not, not none her. of us have that issue with you. And it's important. 
that we have mothers. That's right. We need mothers and fathers. That's because she comes with a pure spirit to me. I'm I'm gonna say that all the time. I tell people that all the time. You gotta have no, a we can't hear you, Miss Alisa. You muted. You, you gotta have a pure spirit. And I'm giving you your yeah. kudos, sis. You gotta have a pure spirit. Yeah. You're fool with her because she has a pure spirit. Yeah, my motive right. and intent is pure. I just wanna amplify. I, I don't want another mother to be where I am. I really, really don't. And so whatever I have to do, I know everybody's staff. Like it, I mean, AT brought me in. It, it, and when my mind goes back to that first time that I met him, like that's almost like 12, 13 years ago. But I know everybody's staff. I just, because I know the important work that they do, you know, and you so- You do it with a pure heart. You I, do it with a pure yeah, heart, sis. You do it with a pure heart. mobilize and organize has just come to the forefront a lot more, you know, given this platform to be able to do so. And because this is so important to me, like That's shutting right. down the Brooklyn Bridge today. No, no, like like it was shut down. I know Tamika, you saw it. I know my, but coming from the other way after going over the Brooklyn Bridge all my life, always at a standstill, always caused to see it was not, like we was, everybody was at a standstill. That's right. Just looking and bringing awareness to gun violence. Yeah, and what's important about that is today was one of several times over the history of this mm-hmm. thing. How as we were building it, we bought caskets over yes. the Brooklyn Bridge. Yes, yes. Charles Barron. Ago. I think we got to give Charles Barron his props too. Absolutely, that so stuff, right? for helping us to bring this thing to fruition. And mm-hmm. now it's time for us. You know, sometimes in the movement we get a little comfortable. People, yes. you know, your numbers are down. You know, you you you're trying to just keep things afloat. You got a little you're contracts and stuff. Exactly, but now we got to We got to put the eighteen eighteen plus the That's newcomers right. back right. on in the in the mix and on the grind, and we can save our communities. We can work with the community to save our communities, and so that's what we're gonna focus on. We love you both. Um, you know, thank you so much for your leadership. People need to be, you know, we in New York have to teach the rest of the country uh, in pockets where they don't have models like ours, how to do this work. My son, you want to take us out? I just want to say, uh, you know, I bow down to you beautiful black queens. You know, thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you for the energy that you bring. Thank you for your smile. Thank you for cussing us out sometimes, Miss Ariza, because we be needing it, you know. But I just want to say, laying hands on you when she lays right. some hands on you, you listen, every, 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 every now and then they need church it. mama like Ariza is. She be laying hands and got the holy oil on you. She, she give you that look. She give you that look. Yeah, you better, you better get it together. No Tamika, don't let them do it. That's not me. No, no you do, but you it's okay. We need it. We need it. We need it. But I just want to say I love y'all and I appreciate y'all. Love you I love you. We are proud of you guys, man. We are just like, yeah. you know, when you think about the baton being passed and the new generation of folks, yo, bro, I'm just going to say this to you, my son. I got nothing but love for you. Y'all are always in my prayer. Tamika, you already know how I feel about you. At the end of the day, it is just great to see the both of y'all where you are. Moving. And I yes. will continue yes. to lift y'all up in every conversation Happy Father's Day, Mike. 
Yeah. Thank you, Queen. I know happy birthday. I know his birthday and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah, and a yeah. Taurus. Actually, That's what I'm this say. episode airs on my birthday next on on June eighth. Yeah. Look at you, y'all are some Gemini's. Y'all ain't Taurus though. It ain't a Taurus season, but I'm gonna let He's you. He's Taurus. My son is a Taurus. Iris, when is yours? When is yours? My birthday was May sixteenth. Oh, and I'm May 6th. Okay, all right. Yes. Okay, listen, I knew it was something. I knew that Taurus thing. It's a Taurus thing. Nice, okay. nice. Well, we love y'all. Y'all be safe. Y'all. Okay. Thank you. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow Black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everyone. I am so excited. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with a Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with a Black Effect podcast network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit, Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You won't want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill of your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic, and at higher risk, get vaccinated. But but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. 
Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar 20. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. I love Misa Miss Orisa, and I love Mimi Faye. They just two of the baddest Black queens that you know, and they both do different things in their perspective ways, but they are so effective, man. So just well, get- I think what's important about the two of them is that, you know, there's different sides to this. There's the, you know, the trauma side, which miss, which both of them can speak to because uh, Ife has been working in it and Miss Orisa actually is living it. Um, and then there is the side of the organization. How do you actually put one foot in front of the other and lead people in this work so that people can be effective and so that a movement can really grow and so we can actually help to save lives. That is what today is about, listening to them talking about leadership qualities, vetting individuals who are working in the movement. A lot of people jump up and say they're gonna work in the movement. Everybody shows up, I'm an anti-violence participant, I can do this, I'm a leader. And you find out that they have more mental health issues than the kids that are out there shooting, than the people who are out there being problematic. And so vetting the workers, I hope people don't miss some of what they've been talking about. Having mothers of the movement that can help to deal with the internal conflicts because you have much of that that comes up in all movement spaces, but in this anti-violence work, having so many people who are passionate and yet they come from the streets, you got a lot of egos and a lot of bravado that even exists within some of the women um, within the work. And so that is necessary. Working together, being unified, first thing on this shirt, unity, all of us coming together. We have Boycott Black Murder and Until Freedom. You also have Life Camp. You have Man Up. You have uh, Not not Another Child. You have uh, um, Harlem Mother Save. You SOS. have uh, SOS. Exactly. Uh, um, uh, guns Up, Life yeah. down. Um, down. Guns life Down, down. Life, life Up. Excuse me. Guns Down, Life Up. You have so many organizations in the city that's doing this work. But today, we didn't go out as individual organizations. We went out as one. And all of those things, working with your mayor, working with your city officials, looking at your budgets, budgets, increasing the budgets, maintaining data, right, to show your numbers in terms of how you're impacting communities, bringing people who are from the streets, of the streets, you know, dealing with folks who are on both sides of the gun. 
all of those things are strategies for building real movements. And, you know, and, and I think that both of these women have a lot that they can share on what that looks like from being in this and on the outskirts. Yes, they do. And, you know, I'm just like, once again, you know, this is a, a very big opportunity, you know, and we always say we need something different. And this is one of those moments where I think something different is actually happening. I always say that culturally relevance and, and, and us doing things that fits within our culture, fits within our DNA is important. You know, we've been yeah. we've been fit, fit, fit into this cookie cutter system and a structure of way things supposed to happen. You know, just regular policing doesn't really work in our communities. It doesn't, it hasn't stopped violence. It's, it, you know, it hasn't stopped crime. It hasn't really done anything. It's locked more people up, but it hasn't been a, a solution to crime. You know, right. it hasn't been a solution to nonviolence. So I think having people who are invested in the community because they actually come from there, because their mothers lived there, their sisters lived there, their cousins, their own children lived there, and them speaking energy into the, the community, them bringing peaceful energy and nonviolent energy, providing opportunities and resources, being able to employ people from their community and saying, hey, you don't have to be out here with no gun. We're going to give you a check, and we just need you to make sure that the park is safe. We just need you to make sure that you, you know, you, you intervene. And like, if we start incentivizing, you imagine if somebody got paid a couple of dollars every time they broke up a fight or got in the middle of some conflict, people would love to do it. People like, I ain't getting in the middle of that. I ain't getting paid for that. That's not my job. So when we started incentivizing those things and people start realizing there's a level of honor that comes with that, there's going to be a celebration for someone who's able to, you know, diffuse and and um and de-escalate situations in communities, we're gonna see a whole shift in the culture. So you know, I'm yeah, excited. But the problem is, but the problem is that a lot of people want to do it, but they don't realize that once it's a job, there's actual training that goes into it, and that's what we have to focus on. You also have to do internal work, right? Like I talked about. But the it. thing is, I say it all the time. It's like, it's like anything, right? It's like being a basketball player. Mm -hmm. There's a natural talent that you have. And then there's coach when you're coached. Once you have that natural talent and you want to be good, the coach just, just refines the talent that you have. There are mediators who just have a natural gift to mediate, right? And they don't have, they haven't been taught the certain skills. So when you give these natural mediators the skill set and you tell them, hey, these are the, these are the things. And most of the times when you look at it, and you when you and you're a natural person at it you already applied most of those things but you then what happens is you understand that you have to make sure that you fit into a formula that you fit into a structure that there's a way to go about it but you also implement your natural ability into everything so yes there's training that comes but that training is welcome when it's incentivized that training is come is is welcome when it's when it's celebrated so you know i think there's going to be a different time i see because i like i said there were so many quote unquote former gangsters that was in there, people that I know was in the streets that have come home and they've actually really changed their lives. You know, I know dudes that was notorious 10 years ago that mm. I looked at that I was locked up with and they and they got these young kids and they put in, you know, they got them on the right path and they really invested in changing the mind states and, and changing the trajectory of these kids. So, you know, I, I'm just, I'm really happy for that, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it.
as well. And and AT also, um, you know, as a leader, he's he doesn't play around. So that's no. a good thing as well. So with that being said, what is your I don't get it for today? Because I'm sure you have one. Well, my my only I don't get it right was, you know, since we're going we're on this topic, and you know, for me, it was the media. You know, the media decided that rather than celebrate something, they wanted to try to make negative and speak about background, to speak about well, AT, well, how was he vetted? And, you know, do you know that he had this investigation? Did you know- But you gotta start all over again. Say it again. Say it from, for you, you only have one, go ahead. I said, for me, for me, you know, I think the one thing that I didn't get was how the media wanted to spin something that was so monumental and so positive into talking about negativity, right? And immediately went to, well, how was this person vetted? And did you know about this investigation and all of these things? And we all have a past, you know, and they, and they wanted to focus on that. And they wanted to say, well, what is the timeline? How do you notice? And it's like, what is the timeline for the police? Right? We, we got a whole, we, we've been giving billions of dollars to the police. And what is the timeline that says that they're doing their job, right? Because gun violence goes up, it goes down. Violence, crime goes up, it goes down. There's no real timeline, right? There just has to be multiple strategies implemented. And I don't know why, when it comes to things that we're doing, as a community base, especially black and brown people, there always has to be this negative connotation that's around it. There always have to be the Debbie Downer. There always has to be, well, how do you know it works? How does this? Why we always have to go through those things, man. And I just don't get, you know, how the media constantly spins those things. And and that's why violence is perpetuated, right? Because the picture of a mass killer is all over the TV and it gives some level of infamy. It gives some level of fame and people see this. And these other people who just are sick, who dealing with those same issues, want that picture on the screen. But you don't give the picture of someone like AT who just was given the gun violence are. You don't, that's not put all over every news channel, right? That's not, we don't celebrate the person who is doing the, the gun violence. It's not plastered all over every channel. Not doing the gun violence, the person who's doing the work. The work. To, right. To be, it's important. That's right. No, you're That's right. right. It's, and it's important because people want to emulate that. People want to, they want to follow something that they see celebrated. You know, so I just don't get why we don't celebrate the positivity more. Why we always want to focus on the negative and try to defame and discredit and devalue things that are so positive, especially when it comes to black and brown communities. Yeah. No, I mean, I, listen, I don't have anything to say. You already said it. They began to ask all kinds of questions today to try to create negative narratives. They're going to write a bunch of trash. We already know that. And I think that our responsibility, I said today while being interviewed by someone that if AT fails, we all fail together. That's the bottom line for us. We have to work with our brother and help him and provide him with the resources and the support and also allow him to leave without all of us thinking we know better and therefore we could try to get in the way 
of what it is that he feels, what he's led, what he's motivated to do and how he wants to lead. That's our responsibility because we already know based upon the line of questioning that you spoke of that these reporters begin to ask today that they don't want to see him win, that they don't, they want to be able to use the failure of the new czar and the crisis management system in, in, in total with a hundred plus million dollars going to formerly incarcerated individuals. They want to use that to say it didn't work. It was a waste of money. And let's go back to policing and government and the processes of all the things that we know does not in and of itself work to solve our issues in our community. And so it's our responsibility to make it work. We've got to be innovative. We've got to, to put our strategy out there. And we also, which is why I'm glad that AT also doesn't work for uh, 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 the government, so to speak, that he's not an employee of the mayor's office, and it's not an uh, 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 agency that is inside um, the administration, because guess what, we also have to challenge and push the administration. And he said today, when asked by one reporter, what resources do you need? He said, we need the cooperation of all of the agencies within the city. And that's a fact. Because sanitation, as Ms. Orisa just talked about, they need to know you cannot leave a community shot up from some incident with blood splattered everywhere. Because that is very similar to bodies hanging from trees from lynchings, that you're leaving the trauma behind that normalizes uh, the behavior and it normalizes the unfortunate sort of discomfort of the people who live in communities. We have to set the example by keeping our communities clean, by focusing on taking care of those people um, who, because again, as has been said, most people are not shooting. Most people in the communities, the overwhelming majority, they wanna live in safe, clean communities. Unfortunately, we have some that are knuckleheads and others who are, tra are traumatized and challenged. And whatever that is, we've got to do the work. So that's that. For me, I think, uh, you know, New York City is pointing in the right direction on at least this one issue. And now it's up to all of us to get in there and do the work. You know, and, and I'll end it by saying, you know, as much work and as much as, you know, each individual, I mean, each of these entities are doing each organization is doing, we as individuals have to take pride and take a declaration that we're gonna do something in our community, especially as black men, you know, knowing that black men are are dying in this gun violence crisis that we, we are faced with. Wow. So we're dying at, un, at alarming rates. Mm -hmm. And as a black man who comes from marginalized communities, who has a level of influence in those said communities, you know, I, I declare that I will be front line and center dealing with these young men and, and, and trying to steer them away from those streets. So with that said, I'm not gonna always be right. Miss Tamika Mallory is not gonna always be wrong, but we will both always, and I mean always, be authentic. Peace. Salute.
Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.